millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I probably won't stop talking shit. Don't Don't stop. Uh, Hey, welcome to Going Off Track. Thank you. Glad Uh, to be here. Finally. Welcome to Brad's apartment. (laughs) We've had to to move this a couple times, and uh, here we are. We We did it. Yeah. Feels good. Brad has very comfortable (laughs) chairs, in case you're ever over here. It's vital to a living room. Yeah, my futon is very uncomfortable. And I just kind of, <laughs> I just kind of got that's, used to it. Do you know that that's what the word futon means in I Japanese? Know. Right? I got a fold down one. I don't know why. And I bought this thing online. I never tried it out first. And I got it, and I was like, "Oh, this thing kind of sucks." And then I was like, eh, "This is all I deserve." <laughs> and now I just don't care enough. Did I did I ever tell you about the futon debt that we had in our old apartment that was from the butt of one? particular drummer whose name i'm not going to mention but who's in a band with uh, a lot of your favorite people do you know what i'm talking about no i have no idea what you're talking <laughs> about there was a dent in the futon in the futon because we had a drummer who lived there who like whenever he was off the road he just planted himself smack dab in the middle so of the he didn't have a weirdly couch. shaped butt it was just no, that he, he was just he just put in so the much. extra time and he was always in the exact same spot exactly and so we named the dent after him. Gotcha. <laughs> I'll tell you his name after because it would be too mean. But we named yeah. it the blank dent. The Tommy Ramone dent. Yes, exactly. <laughs> he was he wasn't he was younger than Tommy Ramone. Yeah. <laughs> um so today in the podcast is an episode that I kind of spaced on. Uh this episode was recorded at Rubber Tracks, mm-hmm. which which was closed a little while ago, and uh, so wait a minute, I'm supposed to say that? It doesn't no, matter. No, no. Who cares? I, was I don't to put some... think that this was the lost episode. It wasn't a lost one, but I think it was just lost to my brain. Oh, okay. Because I was trying to book on. This was Buddy Nelson from Census Fail. He did one of our very first podcasts. Like I feel like the first like twenty he did, right. and then he came back. And then he was just came back again. Has probably came back again. And I was trying to book something with him, and I was like, "Man!" And we couldn't get it. He had he had like a wedding or something, and I was like, "Man, I feel like we did one with him like not that long ago." Okay, you're right. Yeah. Okay, you're right. It was because it was the same day that we did Harley. (laughs) Yes. So it's cool. I wanted to do one with Buddy. We weren't able to do it, and then I was like, "Oh, we actually did one." Yeah. And I remember. during his first one he came on and was really pissed off like he was just buddy that was just his uh if you knew him like he was just kind of not an angry guy but he was just real like really intense and then you know he got into meditation and buddhism and went through some kind of like personal stuff we talk about and came out and now he's like this totally like mellow 
dude. Like he's the same guy, but he's you can really hear it in between the two yeah, episodes. You should how go much back he's and changed. you should go back and reference the old episode. Yeah, go back and reference the old one, and it seems like he's been able to sustain it, which is great. Um, so I want to mention really quick too. Uh, Census Fail are on the anniversary tour, ten year anniversary of their album Still Searching. Um, if you're listening to this, they're playing uh, San Francisco tomorrow, April sixth. They're playing L.A. April 7th, and then on the 8th, they're playing the Observatory in Santa Ana for When We Were Young Fest, which I wish I was going to. Morrissey, AFI, Descendants, Culture Abuse, Gutter Mouth. On, Gutter Mouth. Pretty much like Shout out. every band. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely Gutter Mouth. That's a band you want to catch there. Uh, but, uh, I love those guys, yeah. man. <laughs> Yeah, I, I I actually I had a couple of gutter mouth. I CDs told you I toured with them, right? Uh huh. <laughs> yeah, I mean I don't know if I put them in the same sentence as the Descendants and Morrissey, but I mean you know whatever. That you know I'm sure they had more songs about like fuck like throwing up macaroni or whatever. They're iconic Orange County. Yes, they are iconic Orange County. I'll give you that. <laughs> Do you remember that song Derek they had? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like all these like anti-straight-edge songs used to get me so mad because i was like a 15 year old straight kid and i was like fuck you guys that was their job was to get everybody who they got took kicked, themselves seriously i'm pretty sure off. they got kicked off warp tour for something yeah they did mark make, like hassled security or something i can't remember what it was yeah i felt like it was a uh, yeah something so yeah gutter mouth is playing too <laughs> if that's a thing then that's in case in case there's another version of Brad listening to this. <laughs> they were on the first Warp Tour, you know. Really? Yeah, they did the first Warp Tour. They described it to me as this hot tour that they had just done, and it was all in parking lots. And I was like, punk rock in parking lots? It sounds weird and horrendous. Yeah, it is weird and horrendous. <laughs> but, you know, kind of fun. Also, do Goops ever do Warp Tour? No. Really? Mm-mm. My I, old band, The Love Kill, did some of the dates. I did Warp Tour in... Uh, my thought band after the goops. Oh yeah, yeah. The clowns of progress. Clowns of progress. <laughs> I couldn't say it. Why not? <laughs> I don't know. I said it. You said it. Um, so yeah, check out check out uh, Census Vale on the West Coast and the Still Searching anniversary shows. Check them out on When We Were Young Fest, and let's check out this uh, episode with the return of Buddy Nielsen on Going Off Track. Yeah, as you know, Jonah, the uh, Freedom of Information Act is a beautiful thing. <laughs> you should see what I could find out from about Buddy Nielsen. Yeah, from yeah. one simple request to the FBI called the Freedom of Information Act. It's pretty pretty incredible. Did you know that Buddy Nielsen's story is much closer to the one of Jack Reacher than the one of singer and band? I did not know that. Yeah. Tom Cruise? Well, and he I, plays the a Scientologist that <laughs> But he is a Scientologist. Wait, uh, I've never actually seen that movie, but he looks like a tough military yeah, dude. Yeah, he's a tough military the, guy, but I just think he's Tom Cruise. It hasn't come he, out yet. It comes out next week. I gotta take no, it. No, I think that's the sequel. Oh, it really? is the sequel. It's oh, the second one. There's it's been a really? reacher yeah. already. I didn't he's know there reached. was one. <laughs> it's been reached. It's been reached. It's been reached? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Who knew? Yeah. So wait, so what's the vibe on Reacher? He's like ex-military He's just like an angry, badass, yeah, yeah, ex-military, like, like Green Beret guy that's pissed. And like, Did you see it? No, no. Oh. I'm not seeing that. We, How do you know the plot? From a trailer? Yeah, it's pretty much, pretty much a give it away, and he just, you know. 
he's probably it's interesting to see the older action stars who are definitely at have a low T <laughs> trying to, you know, assert themselves in these sort of like you know, macho um roles. Yeah. I think Cruz has done pretty good. Did you guys see Edge of Tomorrow? Yeah, but that's different. He Just he's the, not so macho as he's, he's having like an existential like Yeah. <laughs> but he's never crisis. been like a real like act like are you talking more about like the Stallones? And yeah, yeah. Of... I mean those guys like Yeah. Sort of like you know, you know like in the expendables, everyone's you know everyone's on some sort of Cialis or needs <laughs> like has some TRT testosterone so placement there. Sure. Yeah, he got he got caught going whatever country I forget where somewhere in like Southeast Asia that they filmed some of it, and Stallone was caught with HGH at the border. Yeah, um, and he was like, "Well, what am I? What am I a fucking football player? I don't care." He's yeah, like, doesn't he's like, yeah. he's like, I'm like sixty years old, but and like, I have to blow up like five hundred people in this movie. He, so. he looks good. I mean, he does. He does look pretty. Let's give it to him. So does Cruz. Yeah. 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 They're I mean, also super short, so it's easy yeah. to look good when you're super short. You think so? You I think, do. Yeah. I never thought about I that. I think when you have like a, a, a short, stocky build, it's easy to get pumped. Yeah. It is. It's super easy to get pumped and stay a little bit leaner than people that might have like more like varied body type. Let's you talk. Can, we can be honest. We're talking about me now. <laughs> when we say the very is very tall. <laughs> it is true. Yeah, but tall people can be super lean too, but maybe not get so pumped. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's ben. the reason I'm a terrible arm wrestler. Yeah. yeah. Is because of this long, rangy <laughs> forearm that's just easy to manipulate. And yeah, and those stocky but, guys, they have these little like Yeah, yeah, hard, yeah. compact, yeah, these like little, cinder blocks with legs. So, so you I'm, can a, reach I'm a that, poor wrestler. You can well. reach that China crash, though. Sure can. That China crash. <laughs> uh, buddy, I was listening to the first podcast you did with us. When was that? It was number 20-something. It was wow. October 2012. Okay. So it was, we've, we're on... We've done over 200 podcasts since you've been on. Wow. Which is pretty crazy. Yeah. Um, and I was listening back. I was like, I wonder what we talked about. Here's what we talked about. Okay. <laughs> we talked about the military a lot. Really? Yeah. We talked about like... The U.S. military? The U.S. military. We <laughs> the, talked the about... The Belgian military. <laughs> we talked about them like recruiting on Warp Tour and how you didn't think that that was cool back in the day, but then like things had changed and you're like in the current political climate... Things are so different. We're sort of at war. You, you talked about how your girlfriend was oh, yeah. in the military. And then you, we talked about... You were very angry. Was I? Yeah. In general, I would say, like, <laughs> you were very angry. And then I felt like th- like we didn't talk for a while. And then there was all this stuff. I was like, have you talked to Buddy? And I'm like, no. They're like, he got really into, like, meditation. He's, like, super <laughs> mellow now. He's, like, totally different. I was like, really, Buddy? Yeah, yeah. And then, then like, we haven't, we haven't really hung out that yeah, much in the last really. four years. Like, yeah. we hung out maybe once at... Uh, some show here, but yeah, I think yeah, yeah. At like maybe at that weird PlayStation, probably where you're playing tonight. Yes, yeah, who PlayStation was that, who, who, Rise Against or something maybe. Bayside maybe. Bayside, yeah. Bayside. Oh, yeah. that old Nokia theater. Nokia, yeah. PlayStation, Best Best yeah. Buy, Times the Square, World, venue. Times Square, yeah. garbage venue. <laughs> yeah, yeah, escalator, CGI venue, empty <laughs> room filled <laughs> but, with soulless garbage. <laughs> So you are so wait you're playing there tonight yeah yeah, okay. yeah come on by <laughs> everyone come out <laughs> do you, support Live Nation they yeah. need your help do you feel like you had like your I mean obviously four years is a long time for anyone but do you feel like you had a shift sort of you were in your consciousness or you yeah feel, oh yeah absolutely yeah, yeah. I uh, well I was living in New Jersey 
Would you know that what that'll do to someone? Yes. <laughs> Living. I'm, I'm just looking I'm at you. Fuck. I don't know about you guys. Yeah, you are pretty mellow. <laughs> Where did you grow up? Huh? Where did you grow up? Central Jersey, Somerville. Okay. Yeah. It's a little more chill down there. <laughs> I'd say we're yeah. we're like we're like getting out to that last outpost in New Jersey. That's like it doesn't really feel like the transfer from like Pennsylvania yeah. city suburbs to rural. To, is yeah, like, it's like we're getting out that way. You can get a yeah. house out there that's got plenty of land and. Yeah, we're not still built on be top. near TGI Fridays. Plenty yeah, of want. TGIs, a lot of them. If you need them, yeah. or a Rubies. Yeah. A uh, what else? A lot of di- you know diner people. We got diners Dine- all yeah. over New Jersey. Yep. You don't have to go far. Yeah, but but whatever. This is an act, though. Okay. Under the surface, there's a frenzy of activity <laughs> right now. Um, but anyway, <laughs> so I heard um, in one interview that you're. You're a Buddhist now, or you're, you, you, yeah. you see yourself as I a Buddhist I actually, now. my teacher developed this idea, and I subscribe to it. I'm a post-Buddhist. Okay. Oh. I'm bringing music genre terms to <laughs> spirituality now. Pop Buddhist. Post, post-Buddhist. post <laughs> They're a pop, mainstream Buddhist. I'm a post. I'm post. To like okay. a repressing? <laughs> no, it's like, okay. I mean, I don't know how to explain it, but like. There's a, obviously a movement in America in the Western Hemisphere of like mindfulness, right? So there's mindfulness, which is doesn't necessarily ascribe to the religious aspects of Buddhism. It's kind of like devoid, takes a lot of the teachings of being present and mindful and applies them in ways that you could, you know, help your company make more money if people were more mindful. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's the sort of all, uh, also the religious you know, sections of it that are, I don't know, gaining, I don't want to say gaining ground or just it's like, it's sort of like a popular movement of people wanting to meditate. So then you have, you know, these two movements and, and within that you even have people that are kind of like shrugging off both of them saying that like the whole mindfulness thing and like the, the mindfulness movement and the sort of, I don't even know what to call it, like cookie-cutter yoga-type like wellness, new-agey new thing. Fuck that. I'm not right. really like that. I don't really – I'm not into that. I don't want to go on like a 10-day, you know um, – Like sort of Tim cultish. Robbins in High Fidelity. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like world and, music, yeah. many rings. Yeah, like I'm not there, and I'm also yeah. like I don't believe in reincarnation. Like I don't believe that the Buddha said this. How do how how do you know? Like really looking at it from an analytical standpoint of like you're this is this is religious bullshit, just like Christianity, just like every other religion, and just because it's new to the Western culture, it's it's it still holds a lot of its religious bullshit so you have a tough part with like the dogmatic side yes. to buddhism so you have a lot of people that are kind of going like well i don't necessarily feel part of any of this and i'm kind of not really finding a uh community within that it's also um so i'm saying post-buddhist in a way that like i don't necessarily believe in a lot of the things that are buddhist um it, so it's it, meaning reincarnation meaning like specific aspects of like i don't know how much you know i don't but there's an idea of call, called emptiness which is like super big in zen super big in certain 
sects of Buddhism that like Tibetan Buddhism, very big on emptiness and teaching on emptiness. And um, I think it's kind of bullshit. I think it's kind of bullshit to my, to what I've been able to see and learn, um, and to me and how it fits into my life. It doesn't. What really, aspect of it like feels false to you? Uh, just this idea. So they try to explain like. That you are basically the the idea in, in all levels of Buddhism is that there is no soul. That behind all of this, who you think you are, this idea of I, this idea of what you like, what you don't like, they're all it's all kind of just uh, learned behavior, um, learned uh, pre some maybe some predisposed, maybe some conditional. Uh, you are who you are conditionally because of the interactions and the pieces that go into making you who you are. So this idea that you have the solid I is not real. And the idea is there is um, nothing. That 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 you, there is nothing solid that you are. So it's basically the opposite of Christianity, which says, or even like Hinduism, like you have a soul, you are this uh, eternal soul that will exist for for eternity in various planes of existence. Buddhism says there is no soul. You are basically connected in this other sort of emptiness. But but to me it's really saying the same thing as a soul. It's 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 it, it gets and the reason why I don't really subscribe to it is because it's it becomes this sort of just like you're in Christianity trying to purify your soul or sort of show that you you know have a worthy soul in order to make it to the afterlife in two in buddhism the idea of karma binds this idea of sort of emptiness into this dogmatic sort of if you do this you know if you do good things good things will happen um if you do bad things bad things will happen karma is obviously more complicated than that it's very like a uh nuanced as as far as like there's no equal reaction you know like if you do something right, bad it right. might something bad might not happen but it's more of like a collective karmic existence in order to ensure some type of um future rebirth or in a favored realm or you know something like that and then this idea of emptiness to me sort of is the equivalent of the soul it's just like you're you're constantly so in buddhism you're constantly trying to like remove your egoic nature but i'm not sure that that's possible or necessarily healthy like i've experienced things that were not really um useful for me through meditation where you're taking away the ego and taking away levels of like familiarity with your surroundings or who you are that can leave people in situations that are somewhat i don't know dependent upon who you are, not really good headspaces. You know, there is some level of the human body that has to have some orientation of I. So it's like this weird sort of, I've kind of found, for me at least, the idea of emptiness maybe not be such a good idea for me. For some people who can live in this sort of like, I am I am nothing and I am an all-existing sort of, you know, omnipresent just nothingness. Um 
Maybe that's cool, you know, for people that are like super into hallucinogenic drugs, right? Right. Like, you know, chill with that kind of stuff. But if you're like kind of like a normal sort of neurotic person who grew up in the Northeast, for me, little difficult to like get into that headspace. Well, maybe like, in your profession too. I mean, wouldn't true. that sort of naturally be a conflict with not only being in a band but also being the singer in a yeah. band and having to deflect the attention? I think you would be in the hardest position anyway to either service or deny your ego because of the ego stroking and bashing that can go on do you think like just being in the position you've been in for like quite a while now i mean over 10 years where that um that that comes into play at all in like not only the way you're deciding about it, but even the reflection into like what you are and what your ego serves you for. Do you think like the position you've been in as the singer of a band this whole time and in a spotlight has like come into that? Yeah, I, I think so. I think maybe that's one reason why I wanted to look into it. I mean, I think most people in bands, especially singers are singers because they have really low self-esteem and have like very, um, um, I don't know, um, fragile egos. That's what makes singers like singers, I think. And then that's why people like, can I, good singers tend to be people that are superiorly flawed because they're able to put their flaws and that sort of vulnerability into music, which then most people go, yeah, I'm pretty fucked up and flawed too. Mm-hmm. I can relate to this guy. Right. And that's why you get that weird singer thing where you have these like people that are on ego trips because they're constantly trying to defend the fragile nature of their own ego, you know, while, while also, in the court of public opinion. Yes, while putting it out there on yeah, a daily right. basis and being super vulnerable. So it creates this like, you know, back and forth between you know i'm the super i'm fucking you know i'm the singer and well, i'm yeah. really super cool and then like people someone's like you're you're a fucking faggot yeah like, i am faggot. well it's an un, it's an unsafe <laughs> place for even somebody who's, i shouldn't use that word but that was yeah that, that's a, a word that i hear so yeah, I'm no, sure. that was an, an impression of a heckler yeah. now okay. you're like you're like fuck man maybe i'm wait i'll loser. do my donald trump impression to to make it better uh grab me by the pussy <laughs> It's like, it's like a, it's more yeah. of a, that was Rick Perry doing Donald Trump, <laughs> by the way. That was, that was what that was. But, um, but yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, yeah. Cause, so, so even for the most secure person in the world, yeah. that's a very unsafe place yeah. to be in, I guess, emotionally. I and, think so. And maybe um, I could see where, like, going down that path could. Well, I mean, what that. it does, the problem is, is, is I think with the way that it's taught in certain circles is that this idea of emptiness and achieving this non-ego the idea is that once you're able to not be identified with your i which is true because the less identified with my own ego i am i find it easier to be a part of caring for other people as well as allowing things to sort of come and go and not grasping i mean one of the things the idea is in buddhism is that suffering is generally caused by grasping meaning like attachment? Attachment. And I'm of the belief that that is somewhat true for that I've found. It's like the less I'm attached to things in a way that I need them to be a certain way, the less suffering, the less heartache that happens to me when I eventually lose whatever it's going to be because I'm eventually going to die. So 
I have to at some point come to the realization that my attachment to even my own life is going to cause this sort of like rift of, well, well, I, I'm not going to have it forever, so I better be okay with when it goes. So it's almost just like practice, you know, to be okay with dying. That's really the good way. I guess one of my teachers said, you know, what is the point of practicing? And he said to have a good death. Mm-hmm. So that when you die, you are ultimately okay with it. But it makes living a lot easier. That's just think that there's – for people who – like I have uh, – you know, I figured I actually started doing this other stuff called somatic experiencing, which is um, a form of trauma therapy uh, to, to heal like PTSD. And I didn't know, but I had been in like a car accident when I was like five years old. My grandfather was like was, um, drunk driving and he crashed. And like fucking got really fucked up, and I had never really associated any of my panic attacks or anxiety with any sort of trauma. So, what happened when I started doing meditating was like all this shit was just pouring out. So I'd have these really, I go on these uh, meditation retreats. Yeah, how does that actually functionally work? That therapy. Well, what like you'll his- do is is so it, it's it's this, this guy Peter Levine created it. He was like an animal behaviorist, and what he used to do is observe animals in the wild and how they would deal with trauma. I mean, if you're an animal, your life's pretty fucked up. You're constantly worried about getting killed. You're trying to figure out how to eat. You got to kill someone for food yeah, all the time. But they don't Very suffer stressful. from PTSD. A lot of them, like wild animals, domesticated animals, dogs do. Uh, wild animals don't because they have an innate ability to physically literally shake off trauma that you know the fear of like if something attacks them and they're able to survive they literally have mechanisms in their body which fight flight freeze responses which then will activate and deactivate and dissipate and then allow them to continue on with their life rather than thinking oh man i better fucking watch out that bird's gonna try to pick me up and kill me i can't be outside i can't eat i'm freaking out what happens is human beings also have those fight, flight, freeze, activate, deactivate. You know, the limbic system is what controls your deactivation and deactivation of your fight, flight, freeze response. But what happens is it gets sometimes upset or or, or um, not upset, but um, manipulated. Like if you get in a car accident and you're all, you know, um, you're you're injured and you're lying on on the on the pavement and, and the paramedics come over. You're going through your fight flight. You're 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 physically checking your body. You're trying to see if you're okay. You're mentally scanning. You're you're taking in everything that's happening. You're processing it and then your fight flight. You know freeze responses. Okay, you know where am I? You decide. Do I do I need to run? Do I need to fight? Do I need to freeze? And sometimes in those situations. This is just an example. You know, paramedics will come over and shoot you up with some painkillers, and that can upset the response, the natural response of how your body would work through those motions, and it can get locked. And sometimes people will suffer PTSD from, you know, instances like that, um, or even like a, you know, um, obviously like like rape is like a super good example of how someone would have PTSD because they're not allowed to enact their fight response. Mm. In and or flee, they can't fight. Fight, you know, or they're freezing. Freezing is the like end of the line because when you like, if you were to get eaten by a bear and you couldn't fight, you couldn't run, and you were doomed, 
you would go into a dissociative state where you it's like your body's protection so that you don't you know you'd get eaten by a bear or by a shark you're not technically like present so you're saying if all these like functions don't manifest immediately that they're going to stay well they can they can it's not even that they they, it's it's if they don't run their course if they're not like if they're not um followed to fruition they can remain locked in the body's nervous system and muscular structure and 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 be this almost like unrepeated loop of stuff so like what i was saying about the bears you would dissociate and you'd get eaten but you wouldn't necessarily be feeling any of this stuff so what the se treatment does is sort of takes you into like sort of a meditative state where you're able to um titrate in and out of um activation and allows your body to make movements that maybe would not have been made to help bring to fruition those traumatic so what you do is you you know sort of follow the feelings of anxiety and allow them to manifest and then you sort of see what's happening you know in your sort of mind's eye and your body, given its opportunity put in those situations, will want to make specific movements like, you know, like a like a hands up sort of stop or like maybe like a, a bracing of your feet. And it happens automatically. It's super weird when it happens because you're like, what the fuck is going on? Like, I'm not I'm so you're I'm not really in control of the body doing this. But what it does is it because the body can't tell what the mind knows. The body just feels I'm in this locked state of stress right so you're connecting the the mind with the body from this point of trauma yeah because it's all in the body because the mind is really you know the mind can't tell the body it's okay like it you can all you want through talk therapy talk about the instance work through the and it's definitely beneficial but there's still always a piece that remains locked in your body if you've had some sort of traumatic event so that's where that into like Buddhism, when you start sitting and doing like um, longer retreats, you'll go into these disso- dissociative states where you kind of don't really necessarily feel your body and you're sort of dissociated, which when you ever had panic attacks or have any sort of PTSD, they're very similar to a dissociative state in meditation. So for me, it's sort of like was really difficult um, to sort of be with that. And um, it's interesting. I think the more that they teach meditation in schools and in in communities, especially communities that are m- maybe more prone to, you know, right now Buddhism has always been like a upper middle class white thing. Right uh, now, it's sort of spreading out a little bit. Uh, and once it gets to you know different kinds of people, you're going to see a lot of people that are having a lot of issues with meditation practice and uh, triggering PTSD as well as you know. I don't want to say, um, you know, I don't want to say psychotic episodes, but just just episodes where, you know, when you're just sitting on retreat, you haven't talked to anyone, and you're literally meditating all day. You can get into some pretty weird sort of headspaces, even if you're not dealing with PTSD. And then if you do throw that in there, I mean, you're like creating this recipe for people to just really have some breakdowns. So, I mean, did you have sort of a turning point as far as because I feel like all this stuff like. Even talk therapy, meditation, studying all this stuff, like, 
it's a lot of work. Like yeah. I feel like, and even for me, all this stuff, like it's all stuff I do, but I, like always like before I have to go to therapy, I'm like, Ugh, I don't want to do this. <laughs> like, or like I have to go to like meditate. I'm like, oh, I want to watch TV. Like yeah, then yeah, you yeah. force yourself to do it. I mean, what kind of forced you to kind of like commit to this and sort of start doing this and kind of stick to it, I guess. Cause it, it's, it's not, it's obviously like more difficult alternative to just living your life and yeah. not worrying about <laughs> it and kind of pushing it to the back. I, uh, I did this thing called Kundalini Yoga by accident, which was a fucking disaster. <laughs> Uh, they should not fucking they seriously should not put that out there in the public without some fucking disclaimer that's like look if you're a freak if you suffer from any kind of like anxiety or depression be forewarned this might fucking blow your mind but kind of i don't know if you're familiar with kundalini yoga but a little bit but i've never done it's it. just breathing it's just aggressive breathing um it's a form of it's a, a form of yoga uh, that's not movement based really. It's mostly breathing, and you're basically hyperventilating. Yeah, that's the one where you do the, uh, the <laughs> yeah yeah for like thirty minutes, and you get fucking. I, I, I'm sh- I, like, physically, I'm sure you're putting a lot of blood into your body. You're getting your heart yeah, rate elevated. You're cutting like you're cutting air to your air. brain. You and are stuff. just yeah. you are fucking out there. And um, it induced, like, this state of just, like, real, real cool, like, euphoric, but also, like, I felt connected to the fucking everything, and, like, I was crying, and it was, I had this really, like, spiritual experience, which I thought was really, you know, before I had really gotten into all the understanding of, like, trauma and all that stuff, I just associated all my trauma with, like, weird, spooky, spiritual, new-agey shit, not, like, grounded, like, you got in an accident when you were five because your grandfather mm. was drunk and that fucked you up. And then your parents got divorced. And then you did, you know, and all this collective stuff. I attributed it to, like, uh, you know, um, I don't know, you know, uh, very non-realistic stuff. Mm. Uh, so when Kundalini thing happened, I was like, I'm fucked. Like, this is fucking, I'm never going to, like, be able to come back from this because i had a a really interesting experience like almost like a trip you you know i went away i came back i sort of and once i came back i was like oh shit this is like i have a different view of the world um how did you get to this class like i just i was doing doing going to yoga and then like as a lot of these fucking yoga teachers they teach kundalini uh because for a lot of people it's far out and it's like a cool thing to do but if you know you've had some sort of di- what it does is it puts you in a dissociative state. Anytime you, I, anytime I get put in a dissociative state, it's basically a panic attack because the freeze response in panic leads to dissociative state. Because when you can't fight and you can't run and you freeze, the next step before death is dissociation. So a lot of these spiritual practices that put you in dissociative states are sort of putting you in this position where in that dissociative state, you're supposed to really lose your sense of I, ego, and you really feel connected, which is what most people really like about hallucinogenic drugs, what like about these spiritual practices is they feel ultimately connected to a higher God thing, Mother Earth, you know, all that shit. When I get in that space, I am also, coupled. it's coupled, which is what in trauma world, it's coupled with trauma. So in these situations of sheer, like, safety and connection, I feel utter terror and fear. So, which is really interesting because the whole point of Buddhism is to really, you know, get into this 
dissociative state and be able to live not in your dissociative state because that's not possible, but to reflect, always have that experience to be like, oh, you know what? Like, it's just fucking cool because this is what reality is, that we're all connected, everything is connected, and shit's going to be fucking okay. But when that safe space that exists is also the connected to trauma, it sort of led me in this sort of post-Buddhist world I'm in now. Where, um, But what got me into it and what keeps me motivated doing it is this idea that like four years ago I was pretty fucking angry and upset and miserable and now I'm not. So it's like even though the pitfalls of it for me have been different, I'm still, my life is exponentially better from doing it. So that's, you you start to see a little bit of like progress. You start to be like something that usually would like blow your whole world up is very, starts to become like, oh yeah, like that's totally cool. Like I can totally deal with that. It's not a big deal. And then you go, oh shit, this like, it works. Has it helped you? Do you think being like, you've been sort of so transparent sort of about like, like your sexuality mm-hmm. or sort of obviously on Twitter, like it's sort of like your political beliefs, yeah. all that stuff. I mean, is that kind of part of it? I mean, sort of yeah. does it feel good to get that stuff out instead of holding it inside? Oh, yeah, yeah, because, that, you know, it's like when you start to meditate and you really look at your the way your brain works and you're actively looking at your own thoughts, you start to see my pretty fucking stupid mind. You have a really like one track, very unintelligent sort of ridiculous mind and you start to see oh wow like look at all this useless stuff that's there but then you also once you're able to like get rid of all that useless like obsessive compulsive sort of behavior you start to really see like what's going on there so it brought up all this stuff that I'd never really been able to see because I'd always been so concerned with you know, what am I going to do with my life? What am I going to do this? What am I going to do to make money? Is the band going to be okay? Do people like this? Do people not like this? Like, you know, just in that constant state of trying to get more to be okay, you know, the the, the human condition. So explain to me the Twitter list. Oh, well, that's a, that's so, a Chris Jericho list. That's so, not so mine. So what is it? That, is that people now blacklisted from the census fail Twitter? No, no, they're just on the list. So. What is it? Like the shit list? It's just a list. I mean, there's no like it's the list of buddy. So it means that you're on the list and there's a and, But what's next? I'm like is it internment camps? Like what's next for the people I on mean, it the really list? it really depends. It's more just like once you're on the list, you're on notice and possibly I any see. further infractions could have you excommunicated from Do you feel like it might be <laughs> it might be in your best interest to put out like the list? No, 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 no. To put out first, like, the Bill of Rights. Like, like the Declaration. You, like, this is now what we expect like out of Like, user you. terms and agreements. Exactly, like, to stay off the list. Because I, I saw okay, a couple yeah. people who I thought were just looking to maybe poke the bear well, a little. Well, yeah, but if you poke the bear, you're the on the list. list. Yeah, yeah, you can't poke. <laughs> well, I, I, it seemed like a, also a lot, some Sum 41 fans who are just there to see Sum 41. Yeah. And they're like, you guys suck. Yeah, yeah. I mean, who probably don't know anything about you. They don't, and then they delete their tweets because they <laughs> soon find out that they're going to be well, in a world of shit. Buddy, I got to thank you for this, actually, because looking into this affair actually <laughs> sent me down a YouTube wormhole last night of something I didn't know existed. Which is like personal YouTube music blogs. I thought everyone just wrote them down, but there's a series of like 
14 to 20 something year old people who have their YouTube channels just discussing music news mm-hmm. and okay. their own opinions. And you were on a couple of their shit lists for publicly, not publicly, just at your own shows speaking about what you want to speak about. Mm-hmm. I want to put this out there first. I am 100% for musicians, athletes, anyone in the public eye to talk about whatever the fuck you want to talk about. And I don't think you have to, like, go into anybody's cubbyhole. I mean, as long as, like, the people you're performing with and the people you're creating with are on the same page as you and you guys are all cool with presenting this together because you're in a band. You're not just Well, you. that's the difference, people. That I'm not in a band. Okay. I am the only original member of the band. So that's the way it is. So this is is why it's so different. This is why people get super upset because what about the rest of the band? I'm like, I don't... Don't know. It doesn't matter. Not that the guys that play with me I don't care about. I mean, obviously... No, but that's It's a totally different thing, though. This is not five guys that are all sharing in a partnership agreement, splitting equal money, and the one guy's going to be like, yeah, you know what? I don't really agree with that. I don't want you to say that. It's it's not. I mean, So at this point, your census fail, and those guys are playing in census fail. This is a dictatorship. It's fine. (laughs) That's what I say to people. I'm like, this is... They're like... and I'm not, and I said that in a funny way. It's not a dictatorship, but as far as like what we're going to do with Census Fail, there's only really I, I don't have to confer with anyone. Be like, uh, yeah, should I say it that? Sounds but easy. I, th- I think it's so that easy. I think awesome that is kind of a symptom of being a band. For I mean, like I don't know the internal workings of Says a Day, but I imagine a band like Same that, thing. where it's like Chris is Chris been doing is it the forever. guy. Yeah. It's, Chris, like, it's no Chris's band. Yeah, no one's going to be like Chris. You can't say this about it's Haley from Paramore's <laughs> band. Yes, exactly. It's it's uh, what's his name, uh, Brandon Yuri's band, right? You know, if Brandon right. Yuri wants to go on Twitter and say whatever he wants, and people are like, what about the rest of the band? Well, I, well, I mean, they even, all quit. You know, even against me. I mean, Laura said that to yeah. me. She's like, against me is, is you know, it's me. Like, yeah. you know, there's other people in the band. I love them, but it's me, like me, it's yeah. started with me. Yeah, and that's the way I feel. That's the way it is for me as well. And that's why people are very like. They're confused. They're like, I don't get it. Like, how, you know, what about the rest? Of, what does well, the band think actually, about this? The, so the main guy, like, I I wish I could do these guys' voices without <laughs> just sounding terrible. But one guy was actually doing your voice, uh, explaining something you wrote about after seeing The Hateful Eight. I don't want to even get into that, oh, yeah, whole, yeah, that whatever, whole wormhole. Whatever. Yeah. But his voice for you is like, meh, and Tarantino sent that. So that's the way he was mm-hmm. doing your voice, which I actually, I mean, it was pretty good. I respect. I give, give the kid. Yeah. Put some, probably a little, put him on the list. Put a little respect on his name. He had like a thousand views. I'll put him on the He's list. He's doing okay, but he should definitely be on the list. But that being said, their general complaint was... People pay good money yeah. to come to the shows, and mm-hmm. they pay to see music and blah, blah, blah. As someone who's been playing music a long time, I actually don't agree. Yeah, There's I, no, like, contract I, wait, when you come you, in. I, can you, so, what were, so what were they specifically upset so about? So I guess, I guess. I wrote something after I saw Hateful Eight. I was just like, fuck Quentin Tarantino. This movie is just an excuse for him to use the N-word, and it's garbage. And okay. it's like, he's finally, like. Gone over the line of, like, and then I guess in the this last is stupid, like it's it's not even a good movie. It's just right, blah blah blah. And in the last couple of years, you've been a little more vocal politically yeah. on stage yeah, yeah, yeah. about things you're going through. So they're more complaining about like enough with the talking, play the hits. Yes, right. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, more, we came, more of that. We came to hear you play, not talk. Right. 
Which but is not I necessarily argue, true. It's not true because it's not on the, the flyer. But the other thing is, I'm I view myself as a professional wrestler. I am basically a professional wrestler. I am not just a singer. In, in WWE, they call them sports. So are you a heel now? I turn heel. I will turn oh, heel. I turned heel in Philly the other going day. On. Yeah, I turned. Well. It, I'm uh, what I'm going for is ugly. I want to be stone yeah, cold. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to be ugly. The, the, here's the deal, and I've taken this from being, you know, uh, from loving professional wrestling. If you either have to like us or fucking hate us, there is no middle ground. Sure. That is the death of any wrestler and i think any band any people band if people too. are just like yeah they were you know they were whatever lukewarm like, is the this worst. girl yeah, last 100%. night sent out this amazing fucking tweet i i it, it was we've been getting a lot of these which is great which means i know that we're doing the right thing um where is it hornbrook twitter check yeah so. let's sip coffee let's sip coffee <laughs> all right that's that, happening here we go okay so she said this is my first time listening and watching Census Fail. I've never hated something so much in my life. There you go. Like, and that's the, I want the, I want the, like, oh my God, this is so awesome. Like, what a cool band. You know, what, uh, so much energy and they speak their mind and I really like the music. Or I want that. I want that. Right. This is fucking garbage because she's tweeting about it. Right. She's like actively going to be like, "Look, guys, I saw this band since this and they were fucking awful." And they're going to go, well, I, "I better check it. I better." It also means the about? time she she took to yeah. like search at Census Fail yeah. and find your handle. Yeah, like and do all that. Well, I also think there's like a lot of context. That's like, like some girl I saw wrote something. She's like, their singer was like spitting on me yeah. or something, and I then spit like, in her direction. <laughs> well, I didn't spin on her. But it was right before the breakdown. You had to get psyched. Well, that's what I'm yeah. saying. And that's an air horn. Too. And I that's a classic heel move. Yeah, he, yeah, exactly. And then some guy was like, yeah. I, "I like that." Like, he was like, <laughs> yeah. "Yeah, I was like, <laughs> you spit up, on me." I grew up going to shows in basements and jerseys. Well, it's like, and part of me was like, "Yeah, if you don't understand the context, not necessarily, but yeah. it's like, it's it's supposed to not be not a not a safe place, yes. but it's supposed yeah. to be a little bit. It's an interactive. It's space. an interactive, and it's like it comes from these smaller spaces, and you're translating it somewhere bigger, and like it's not just going to be people sitting in seats. It's like a part of the aquarium where you can touch the ray. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. 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 So to me, if you don't have that contest, you might not get it. Yes. But that is true. I there's if if I know that it's not, I'm not totally going to be, you know, beloved on the stage at that particular show. I will turn heel immediately and start making fun of the crowd, making fun of the city, making fun of their sports teams, just going for it. And a lot because it's like. If I'm not going to win the crowd over by performance, I'm going to turn them on me to incite part of the crowd to, like, really like me. And then the other crowd to be, like, participating because they're participating. Like, if you can't get them to participate in the event, I get them to participate in the hating of me. Which then means they're participating, and everybody sort of had a good time. It's funny this came around. It's very Jack Reacher. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's funny how this all. The, came, maybe it's more like the accountant came I don't know. full heel here. I uh, I heard something you said I thought was cool, and it gave me the best visual ever. That I've been on Warp Tour before, mm. and I noticed it then. But I think since I've been, it's just been growing and growing. Which is this like general two factions of warp tour there's mm. like kind of the you know 
the metalcore side. Yeah. And then there's the your guy's side. Yeah. Basically, you know, Whatever, and yeah. and these it seems to be like split like 50 50 with these mm-hmm. types of bands. And you were saying that backstage is on warp tours. There's not like animosity people aren't doing anything but there is like a general like yeah school dance like we kind of yeah keep to our own side sort of thing going on which led to this great visual for me and i'd like your opinion on it is like say if it came down to it if something crazy happened and all of a sudden there's like a lord of the lord of the flies thing going mm. on at warp tour and these two factions were actually pitted against each other in like sort of an anchorman like news team street fight mm-hmm. kind of deal like who would win well i can answer that because i uh i tried to fight the singer of attila okay this is a perfect example yeah. Yeah. um so what happened? so he i you know i've been talking about their ridiculousness well documented we were on warped over them and i would you know call i am out. sick of people saying the huns were good people i mean yeah, they were they were terrible not. the huns they were this, not is, a, good this is a band where they're like they're like so like suck my dick like yeah that kind of stuff. yeah okay. suck my dick typical gang they, they say faggot yeah. but they're for the pro pro lgbtq rights but they <laughs> they say no, no, no. whatever <laughs> um the singer you can uh, actually buy a subscription to him for fifty dollars. If you go on his site, you have access to him. You can tweet at him and like get advice from him because he's a business. He's a businessman, wow, so you can pay. Oh, wow. Yeah, so you can pay fifty dollars. Yeah, fifty dollars yeah. a month um, to have access to him. Okay, um, Jonah, you maybe put that <laughs> yeah, one away. Yeah, I don't know. You gotta give yourself up too cheap. I think the, uh, yeah, maybe, maybe not fifty, but twenty five. Twenty. All right. <laughs> I'd pay. <laughs> um, well, yeah. So, and, and this, I am a practicing Buddhist, and I don't want to fight anyone. But kind of this guy's got to, to the point where I'm just like, he tweeted something was like, yeah, this thing of sense is fail to say all this shit on stage, but he won't say anything to my face. And I was like, that's that's fucking it. Like, I'm going over there. Like, I took my shirt off. I was outside his bus being like, you get the jersey fuck. On him. I get, it was in New Jersey. It was at the PNC. Oh, I was like, I will fucking, I'm going to fuck you up. Like, get out here. Finally, let's fucking end this. Let me beat your fucking ass. Or at least try. If you win, sure. cool. Right, right. Totally cool. But let's yeah. have it out. Let's, you know, let's fucking let's see some fucking blood. We'll do it right here in the parking lot of PNC. So I go over to the bus, and I'm trying to get on. I'm banging on the door. The tour manager comes in. He's like, what do you want? I'm like, I want Franz. I want to fuck him up. I'm going to fucking beat the shit out of him. He's like, I'll fight you, too. I don't give a fuck. Everyone out here, I will fight all of you. Fuck you. You guys are the fucking worst. He's like, I don't know. He doesn't know. No, no, you can't get on there. I'm like, dude. 50 bucks to come out and fight you. Wow. He probably would have done it for money. But I'm like, get Franz the fuck out here. So he goes back on the bus and is like, I'm waiting. And he comes back. He's like, Franz is too angry to come out. And I'm like, he's too fucking angry to come out. He's like, yeah. He says he doesn't respect you and that he's not he's not going to come out because he's just too angry. I'm like, I'm going to fucking beat the shit out of this guy. Get this guy the fuck out here. So I keep trying to get on the bus. And they're like, you know, he's like not, you know, he's not going to let me on the bus. So Franz, I'm outside his bus, like total, like, you know, foaming and like yelling. You got any crew with you? You're so no, just me. Stag. Yeah. Just not even Gavin. No. Well, they ended up coming over because uh, they were like, what the fuck, man? What are you doing? Like, don't try to like just fucking get your shit together. And uh, I'm just screaming and fucking yelling, you know, and. He wouldn't come off his bus. Oh. He tweeted at me, called me out. I'm there 
right outside his bus, waiting to fight. All right, so ready what, to throw what, down. What, what so was can it we, like, like next time, like you're in we catering. sat, we had to sit down because he called. You know, Lyman was like. All right, we got to fucking talk. So he shows up with his fucking dumbass manager, who's a fucking apologist, total piece of shit. He came like guidance counselor. Yeah, like, we're gonna... it was like the whole time because I, you know, just like the, you know, and I respect Franz. Wait, wait you got to lay this out for me, more. Okay, so, so it's me, Kevin Lyman, sitting in a tent. Right. He shows up with his manager so to Franz have a meeting because I was just basically like, dude, like you don't understand, like the shit you say is fucking garbage, and like. You can't say this kind of shit in an environment like in this punk rock world, like in the world we live in today. You can't fucking call people a cunt and a bitch and a whore and fucking get up on stage and act like a piece of shit and say faggot in all these songs and think you're going to fucking get away with it. Like what did what what did he say? to that? He's like, you don't understand, man. Like he's like, you know, just just if you. okay, If you hear how Donald Trump speaks, it was a similar sort of just like. That's not what I'm saying. That's not what I do. I this is what I believe in this. You know, I, he backed it up. So at least in some respect, I guess there's a little bit of respect for like being so fucking dumb and ignorant. At least he's owning it. He's owning just his absolute terrible garbage. But I still think that he's, you know, I, I mean, it's just I just was literally like, I fucking hate you. I was like, if I okay. ever see you anywhere outside of here in any sort of fucking fashion, I'm gonna beat the fuck out of you. So am I to infer from the answer of this that if the two sides were to pit in battle <laughs> I would, yeah, because the thing you is you guys would show up front line, ready to fight cannons ready and they ready would not appear. Ready to fucking fight and they would not appear. Um, Just fucking it's all Or gone. maybe since he sent a manager they would hire like a mercenary army to no, fight the manager them, was you know? weak-willed too, sort of just <laughs> Yeah, I you know. So I, <laughs> I can't. I keep thinking this guy Franz talks like Donald Trump. Now he's like Attila are terrific. We're the best. <laughs> I mean, basically, he was more just like he's more just like he's just more like when I say faggot, I mean like you know empowering. Like I'm like you're not fucking part of the community. You can't say faggot. I was like, do you think it's okay to say the n word? He's like in certain circles. I'm like. No, you can't. No, you don't get right, to right, say right. that shit, you fucking idiot. It's like it was just like a total disconnect. He's like, you know, just saying things, you know, that Is you're like literally like trying to level with this person. Be like, you are like really offended me on a level that like I'm willing to physically hurt you. But there was no like remorse. Like there was yeah. no like, hey man, you know what? Like I'm super sorry. Like I didn't mean because I had had another conversation at the beginning of tour. I had gone up to him and was like, hey man, I just want to let you know, like. You know, I'm going to say the things that I want to say and, like, you know, blah, 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 blah. And, like, it was just, like, total, like, standoffish, like, weirdo fucking, like, creep. You know, it wasn't, like, in any way, like, yeah, man, like, I totally see how, like, when I use faggot, it could, like, bother people. Or, like, be not useful for humanity to continue using that word. And, um... You know, don't, don't you feel like you should be able to like? I feel like you've probably been through this so many times. Can't you just be like, oh, like I went through this with fucking Broken Side. Like now there's another fucking band. Like, like you know, I like, mean, there's just how many every, times, every couple. Like, every, I think every couple years, it's like, it's a sort of like an action movie. It's like you know, every couple years there's going to be a threat to humanity that needs to be like put down. <laughs> yeah, Jack but, Reacher three is yeah. coming. Yeah, eventually. and it's like. Well, apparently there's gonna put be down a, Broken Side. I haven't heard their name in a while. I know Attila. You know Attila's still going, but. You know, they're going to be... And I told... I mean, I'm, we had a serious, like... I was, like, to his face, like, this far away, like, your band will not exist in 10 years. Nobody will care about you. 
you will be meaningless and irrelevant in the world of music and be looked at as a joke. Are you okay with that? You know, like I'm like I wasn't like backing down. I was like, you are the one of the worst human beings I've ever had to deal with in my entire life. I, like it was kind of like at the end of Billy Madison when he did. We have we are all stupider. <laughs> right. We have learned nothing. May God have mercy on your fucking soul. Well, do you? And my question, I guess, is: Do you have a? How do you sort of reconcile like the Buddhist teaching that mentality with that passion? Because I yeah, feel it's like it it's is not, hard. It, that's that's and feel, that's one of the things is like. Obviously, I snapped and got super upset, but it's like, how do you balance? You're still a human. I yes. Because I feel like I'll walk out of a retreat, I'll feel amazing, yeah, yeah. and then some dude will cut me off, and I'll be like, fuck this guy, and they'll yeah. be like, oh, fuck, I'm bad. But it's also, the other thing is that they're also talking about is, like, engaged Buddhism, because most, for the most part, Buddhism has been very much go live on a hill and get fucking zen, but we live in a world where that's not, that's not, that is not useful or helpful for humanity. What's What's useful is to get, you know, enlightened, you know, awakened and then go out into the world and manifest that into good things but not for nothing that conversation you had is the complete opposite of what you just said yes okay in some respect that what i'm doing is standing up for a group of people who don't have people to stand up for them in a public you know, in especially in this world, I mean, I don't know only a couple bands that are really out and active about talking or defending rights or space or anything. And what with, with what I've learned about movements is you have to stake space. Space isn't given to you. You have to make space and demand it. And that doesn't necessarily jive with the passiveness of Buddhism. But you sure. can do things in a way that is obviously I'm learning. You know, and this sure, is it's a process. A process. I'm not just going to eventually just abandon all of the other. I mean, I you know been doing jujitsu for fucking years. Yeah, you're not ready to take Franz by the hand. Yeah, and like, but but I mean, at the same time, it's like I bet you that dude has never said had anyone say that stuff to exactly. his face. And maybe he's not going to say something now, but maybe a couple of days later he's in bed, he's thinking about it. Like you don't know yeah, what kind exactly. of impact that has. Or if he's super dumb, he's more empowered. Like Donald Trump does. When exactly, it exactly. Like, and you can just you can you know you can have it go either way. But it's just yeah. like I think it's important to stand up to people like that. That the thing is, what's really interesting, he models himself as like a I'm a helping people who are bullied. But what he's really done is really he's a kid that was bullied that turned into a bully, and is in fact really trying to bully people. It's, it's he, but he doesn't have that sort of self awareness to realize like. I am the kid that was bullied, and now I've turned into this bully. I'm not a savior. He thinks he's like a savior for the people that are bullied. Um, but I think when you, you know, it's 2016, you can't get up there and say cunt and whore and bitch and slut. In and some faggot. tours, I'm sure you can, but, you know. Well, yeah, but on Warp Tour, like, Warped dude, you're going to run into fucking right. people that are like, no thanks. Like, oh, right. that, that band Pup, you know, there was a contingent of bands that were all like, yo, fuck this. This is fucking bullshit. Like, this guy sucks. And, but the other thing is, like, there were a lot of bands that were kind of like didn't have my back. Yeah, you know, I'm sure. there were I'm a lot sure. of bands that are like, you know, what's a big deal, man? What's a big deal. Or maybe these guys will take us on tour sometime or whatever. But yeah, like we don't want to offend it, right? At, Attila, you know, Tortilla or whatever. But so, uh, <laughs> I heard, I heard in a, in another interview, and, and I was wondering your opinion on it because, well, I'm also fine. Just I'm finding a 
like if I had to bill a fight between two guys named Franz and Buddy, yep. is like <laughs> be good. I mean, I mean, that's be good. a lot of interesting spins you could put on that. I'd still fight him for charity. That'd be fun. Yeah, I'd maybe do like it. sumo suits or something. So I no just one, straight grappling. No match. one gets straight blood sport. You'll no, put just like a grappling, glue on just your hands. Sub- submission the... grappling. All right. Just but uh, I noticed you were talking a lot about mental illness. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of like, you know, that's a huge topic. You could get into it for a long time. But I've always wondered, being on tours and being on these things, where like, how much of these attitudes in any way. Like, even this kid you're talking about, this, yeah. this Franz guy or something like that. Like, just like you discovered through many years of, like, reflection and pain and the ups and downs that you went through, that so much of it was a result of your own personal, like, mental illness. Yeah, yeah. And the fact that, like, maybe that kid is kind of the same. Yeah, yeah. And just hasn't gotten to that point in his life yet. Yeah, no, absolutely. Where, like, but, like, he's, he's got... Th- through this yeah, process absolutely and there's some you know looking back on that but then i also think that there's personal responsibility i mean i don't think at any point i was like actively you know going out and disparaging entire groups of people oh yeah with words i think there's a big difference between like people you know obviously i mean the kid clearly has some issues if he's is he a kid i keep saying kids i i guess we can call him he's in the like 20s All right, kid enough kid, kid enough. enough for kid this crowd kid to us yeah but you know Let's i mean not yeah say all lives matter <laughs> what would happen after that uh-oh he's uh <laughs> you know he's uh he's probably got his own issues and that's the thing but like in this respect, what this was about, this was about basically wanting him to concede the use of the word faggot. Right. This was like the mission, the goal. That was the idea. That was the point. It, and what, what, not really what about is his, his point? Personal, it's, it's the idea his point that, like, is that I'm going to take ownership over this Yeah, word? his point is that in the way he says it, in the way that they do it, it is empowering. And that he has a lot of fans who are part of the community that respect the way he uses it hmm. so it's all bullshit it's garbage i mean right. did you have any sort of backlash when you were talking about that stuff a lot i mean did Not anyone really. kind of come after you or were people pretty supportive generally? yeah i think generally people are really supportive i mean i don't that's great yeah i that's what i mean that's why it's so odd that's why it's so odd to be in, in an environment where it's like you're feeling like not supported by you know like people you're on tour with or sort of feeling like I wasn't going to say anything, but I was doing these groups where we'd bring kids who are LGBT, you know, out and meeting at Warp Tour and like having discussions about what they think about like being part of the LGBTQ community and how it reflected Warp Tour. So I was like, I wasn't, you know, I kind of gave up on the whole Franz thing, but then I was meeting with these kids and they were very adamant, like, this is fucked up, like, fuck this guy. Like, this is bullshit. We don't like this guy as as being a woman here. We don't like the environment that is being put out by a lot of these, you know, this tour and specifically this individual. So I was like, you know, I feel like a duty if these kids are coming or 16, 17 or feeling like threatened and, you know, like not digging it, like that I should say something because I have a platform and ability to say something and do something. Was Kevin... Like what? Like, I mean, dude, it was I'm wild last year. There was a lot of shit, and I know the other guy, the front porch. Yeah, there was a lot of shit going on. So he had kind of come to me and been like, "Hey, man, like, can you like, sort of, in some respects, stand up and be like an elder statesman and sort of police, not police, but like, you know, like, set an example, but also like try to like 
keep it together. And I like, kind of find that odd that he's asking someone because I mean, let let's be real about that relationship. Like Kevin, when he has you on Warped, he's hiring you to like come on to his tour and work for his company. Yeah, but it is a community. I mean, in general, for sure. Back, back in the, the thing, day, though, the it thing was I'm way more communal. About is so you're gonna hire one dude and hire another dude. And then ask the one dude you hired to go talk to the other dude you hired. Unhire the other fucking guy if it's actually a problem. Well, right? yeah, I mean that's I mean that is that's always been sort of the thing is like, well, why are you bringing bands out that are acting like this? Let's get kicked them. And I off mean, and look and at it like for what it is. Out of here, you've been on work tour. But there's I mean, contractually. I mean, that's the thing is like though, if he was to you know kick bands like you know. It, it, I don't know. It just I I don't really have an answer for it, you know. Yeah, I just, I just I'm just but curious. But it is interesting. It's like if, if these people, you know, are continually causing. I mean, he does kick people off tour all the time. I mean, he kicks people off and kicks vendors off and it's, bands off. And there was like, but I feel like when I was on the tour, like it was different. It was so I mean, like, think about the only band that got kicked. Like one band got kicked off because they kept like drinking the free YooHoo and like throwing it up. <laughs> it was just like the most juvenile. Like, or someone funny. wrote. Fuck Kevin Lyman in like yeah. the parking lot, and it was like fucking like thousand feet wide. Yeah. He's like, like stuff, you're off, yeah, you know, stuff but like, like yeah. fourth graders would do. Right, we, right. It was a different, and that. But I'm coming from this old school <laughs> vibe where there was like, yeah, no effects thought we sucked, and a lot of the old punk bands thought right. we sucked, but like, you know, like there was still a level of we had respect for them and was like cool. Like, well, and there's also a moral, like there's an ethical guideline that goes from those bands. Totally, like, totally. Even though your scene, yeah, didn't sound like no effects no i watched your scene start yeah and your scene comes from that place right right there you could see that right yeah plus but everybody's on the same page like we all agree like don't say that word and we're not gonna vote for fucking trump and we're all gonna have like political opinions about things and talk about it and this world is just like void of a lot of that and so it's like you get this weird warp tour where it's you have these old people that are like trying in some way to cultivate some level of that and then there's a giant pushback of like dude just shut up like you know how weird is it to think like you're like the bad religion or no effects to like these bands that are like 20 i know it's weird because a lot of them will be like dude like we really like your band we wish you'd stop like talking shit about all of us and i'm like i'm sorry but like (laughs) it's this is what has to be done you know like this is what has to be done it has to be done like people fucking dude i love it like there's a story. Al Barr wanted to beat me up on Warp Tour. Like this is how I learned to be how I am because other people threatened to beat me this up. This is the Dropkick Murphys. Yeah. Okay. You know, like I had run-ins where people wanted to beat me up, and we did stupid shit, and people put us in our place. So like, I learned from experience that it's okay to do that to other bands, but nowadays, it's it doesn't work like that. Like, there's not this level of people policing their own backyard. And that's what it feels like at Warped Tour. It's like, I've done it seven times. It kind of feels like, yeah, okay. You feel a little ownership over Ownership to keep the level of, like, what's going on in some cohesive, like, yeah, let's not have anyone on this tour, you know, doing this or saying that. Like, it's, you know, we don't need to represent all levels of fucking free speech on Warped Tour. We can make it all, like, pretty left-wing liberal well i like the know, idea of kevin bringing in a, a altering point of view on warp tour like i don't think it serves like punk rock or it serves a free thinking community 
to make sure you're only putting the same thinkers in the same place. True. I think his responsibility is to harvest like a real dialogue and like to harvest like some sort of connection instead of that more than like kick bands off or do something like you could actually use this. I mean, we did in a respect, I mean, between it, you two to like they, to actually raise awareness for both of your sides, like in, in a way they did, you know, there was a little bit of that. He turned it over to like kind of allowing the Island to vote off people. Oh, there was a, you know, another incident with another guy who's famous for being, you know, a constant troublemaker. And it was sort of like, he was like, I don't even know what to do. So you're all going to come and decide if he's going to stay. Like among the bands? Bands? The bands anyone on Warp Tour? Wow. What, did, I went and I was like, Did he stay on the island? No. He was kicked off. Him. Yeah. What? Wow. What? Did, and the other thing that I feel like Warp Tour got a lot of criticism about was like, Skanking. Not enough skanking. <laughs> not enough skanking. <laughs> not enough ska bands, man. Yeah, people were dropping. There were more ska bands. Shit would be fucking different. People, dro- people were dropping stuff. No one's picking it up. Yeah. Uh, pretty much. Uh, this idea that there weren't enough. Stuff all over the floors. <laughs> yeah. People were tripping. Uh, how did you feel about like this issue? Like, not enough women. Like, there's X amount of bands. There's so many women. And then I felt like the, sort of the other argument was like, Right, but also, like, you have to have bands that will draw people to, not I mean, just because of that. I think it's all about starting the conversation. Yeah. It's, like, not necessarily about... You have to have the conversation in order for there to be some movement down the line. So it's, like, I think a lot of people get super upset because they're, like... Both sides get upset. One side who's bringing it up wants action now, and then the other side is, like, why are you even bring this up? This is stupid, and, you know... Here's the reasons why. So it's like almost the point is you bring it up, you talk about it, and you hope you hopefully inspire some level of change. So you have to be okay in knowing that like when I talk about this, it's I'm not gonna see change for yeah, probably, you know, hopefully down the line. Down the line. And then the other side needs to realize like that that also it's a good thing, it's not hurting anyone and because I think it just happened with this hardcore fest. Um, there was a girl, and she was very upset that there weren't any. There was only two female, I think, two bands with female members in it. And in it, you know, in the world of hardcore, I mean, that's an even. It's it's when you're talking about Coachella, it's it's probably doable. Right. Talking right. about Warp Tour, it's probably doable. Hardcore is is a is a. Yeah, the different sort of um, it's not many walls of Jericho's out there. No, and there's only so many at this yeah. point. So I think it's like more of a conversation of like, yeah, there should be more women in hardcore, and maybe it should be like inspiring women to create bands to. But it's it's in and of itself this very violent niche sort of thing yeah. that when you that's always been male dominated. So I, I don't I don't think the conversation is a bad conversation. It's just I think that the the solution actually can't be enacted because yeah. of the lack of availability to and do it, that. And it's tricky to mandate, too, just because of human nature. I mean, the thing it makes me think of, and I, I noticed from, like, your Twitter that you're a sports fan a little yeah, yeah. bit and a football fan. Like, I don't remember exactly when, but maybe 15, 20 years ago, they noticed that huge disparity in the NFL between black players and black coaches. Essentially, most of the mm-hmm. league is black and there was like two black coaches and there was never a lot of them interviewed for jobs and this. And they started this one rule that if you're going to interview over a certain amount of coaches for the job, you have to interview a black coach. 
And through the years, a lot of black coaches have come out saying, I'm pretty sure that most of the time I was being interviewed for these jobs, I was never taken seriously. And I was only brought in to to fill this quota that we had to do. And they never were going to hire me in the first place. And as a result, there's been literally no improvement in the hiring of black coaches in the NFL. Like, it's done nothing. Um, So it does seem like a tricky thing to try and, like, mandate. Like, you need to have five bands with with X amount of women on the tour every year. There's a chance you're going to have to book a shitty band. There's a chance you're going to have to book the same band every year for 10 years i mean we ran this at when i worked at ap all the time we'd be like we're doing this special all right like i guess we gotta get like the donnas to do that like it's yeah, like yeah. there just weren't that many bands right. so it's like you feel like you keep going back to this well i mean i'm sure it's better now this was you know 12 years ago yeah yeah, yeah. no it's uh well to totally change the course this is actually a question for both of you guys mm. it's an amazing hypothetical that was brought up to me yesterday by a guy named chad i work with now, Chad's a very cool dude, by the way. Give him credit. Can do anything with iron and wood that you ask him to. He's a pretty skilled fella. But he gave me this great hypothetical. So you're chilling out. Say you're in your yard. I don't know. Picking weeds. I, I don't give a shit. And an alien comes down, and he says, what's up? I'm going to give you this offer. You can come with me right now back to Mars live with us for three years. We show you the the greatness of our society. We teach you everything about it and we'll bring you back in three years. But the only thing, the only catch is you leave right now and you can't tell anyone you're coming and that's it. Do you accept? I I would. Yes. And I say that because I don't not like married. I don't have a girlfriend. Like I don't have anyone depending on me. So I'd just be like, I guess I would lose all my stuff but, in my apartment. Well, Who and cares? You know, your sister and your parents yeah. would think you're dead. Right. Probably. Yeah. They would. Yeah. That After would be, a certain amount of time. Yeah. But then think how psyched they'd be when I came back. They'd be like, whoa. Well, <laughs> I mean, it could be like a castaway situation, though. I mean, Helen Hunt, she had to move on. Yeah, but on. they're not going to replace you. Give a place yeah, to your brother. Yeah. <laughs> your, your sister's not going to be like. There's like some baby. I got to go get a new brother. She'll find yeah. a new we confidant this. and best friend, yeah. I'm sure. Yeah, yeah I mean. You'll I, lose I, that I, role. It, and yeah. it might get weird as fuck. They'll I mean, probably take you out of the Saturday Night Live uh, intro, <laughs> too. Yeah, They'll be like, this guy's dead. We need to remove him. Or they him. put up a little, like, a little thing <laughs> over his head now. Like, he'll stay, actually, in the intro. Oh, really? I'll miss, I'll miss yeah. like, five United Nations shows. <laughs> yeah. All right. So you you would definitely go. You don't care I would definitely go. that I would your definitely sister go. thinks you're Yeah. Dead. I mean, I feel bad about that, but knowing I was coming back, I'd be like, okay. Yeah. What do you think? No, I can't do that. You won't do it? No. Okay. I can't. I, got, I don't like, I mean, we talked about, like, I'm already mentally, you know, somewhat you just got no fragile. I don't think I'd do well in space. Oh. I don't think I'd be able to keep it together. Well, I, I mean, I have an existential crisis daily. So you don't think you'd make the trip? Even I have an existential crisis daily just about the fact be- that we're on a rock spinning around in the middle of nothing. If I actually got out into the nothing and saw the like that's Earth over there, and I would, it wouldn't. Yeah, but it, it would. It would be really hard. But the nothing is now something. 
Because no, you're it's there still and you're nothing. seeing it. In between the two, there's nothing. Oh, there's stuff. No, there's, well, there's, there's stuff out there. Dark matter. They don't even know what that is. Things fly by. Nothing no. flies by. I'm assuming you, you Have you ever been you to space? Would do it. <laughs> I haven't. Only you in haven't? Uh, dreams and films. You, you, you definitely wouldn't do it. You know? <laughs> I thought Whoa, about it deeply I would think today. you so, with a, a, a young baby and a so, wife. So here is my conflict. <laughs> well, the, I, I posed the question, which was, okay, if I don't do it, are you just going to ask somebody else? Because then I won't go. Because then it's like, all right, cool. I'll stay with my people. You go. Bring this information back. All good. Or it's just the offer off the table if you say no. And no one ever goes and no one ever learns. But you're saying it would be like a self-sacrifice for the good of humanity. Sure. Uh, well, that But that metaphor is out the picture because you don't know. You can't ask the alien this question. Right, right. So the thing I was thinking, I was like, all right, I have to swallow the fact that i would probably come back to my wife remarried and my kid having a new dad yeah that i have to stomach yeah, that's which, a little much which I don't is know about probably that. gonna happen i'm yeah. like and as she should i've told her many times through the course of our courtship <laughs> some happens to me yo fuck it take care of yourself don't burn shit every day like whatever do something cool in my honor do a show something fun and then fuck it. Like, just keep going, you know? Like, it's all good. Just give me one of those cool Royal Tannenbaum gravestones. That's all I want. And so there's a part of me that I know she'll move on, and I want her to. I mean, my kid needs guy around for a few years. All good. But the thing I'm thinking is, like, if I told my kid when he's an adult or, like, an older kid that, like, oh, I passed this up to hang out with you when you were one to four, He'd be like, I fucking didn't remember any of it. And this yeah. guy who went to Mars is like mad famous, wrote books. He's like kind of got an awesome life now. Like you fucked up, man. Like you should have went. Or the opposite. You know? He'd be like, fuck you, Dan. Or like you fucking, fucking left Mars. me when I was a little kid. <laughs> yeah, Asshole. Totally. Yeah. But if you're the only guy who yeah. can experience that, like, I, I don't know. I might go. Right. I might go. I know it's not the... <laughs> Appropriate family man thing to say, but it's fucking Mars. It's and so that, cool. there's nothing on Mars. How do you know? Well, I've seen <laughs> the Martian. They're living under <laughs> under the surface. There's a, like I said before, there's a frenzy of activity yeah? beneath the surface. Yeah, I think of it more as like the dozers from uh what is that show? Fraggle Rock. Yeah, from Fraggle uh, Rock. That's what I think is going on in, in Mars. Yeah, okay. The surface is a little, boring, a little tough yeah. to live on and boring, so they got a whole thing going on okay. under there. And that's where you'd live, and you'd be treated like a Martian king for three years. I don't know years. about that. Or they could kill you. Well, <laughs> no, you're going on good faith here. Okay, we're all right, going... so they're just going to treat, okay. Right. Yeah, we're going in good faith that it's going to be a nice time okay. when you go. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if that idea is like, oh, they might, like, pull a fire in the sky and start putting things in your eyeballs and shit, yeah, then, that's yeah, funny. I might pass on that. Yeah, not cool. All right, so you won't go. Good for I don't you, think though. I'm not going to go. All right. I got a lot of stuff. I just, I, the existential nature of it your earthly activities are taken i have too a hard much. i have a hard enough time even <laughs> in mentally dealing with the fact that we're on earth right now <laughs> it's too much a daily existential crisis yeah you have all uh text from existentialist on yeah it's a great instagram really yeah text from from my existentialist i actually i know i know we just got fun but now this makes me think of something not fun which is like so I also suffer from a daily existential crisis. Yeah. I'm in the same crowd as you. 
often through many times of the day, I go, wow. <laughs> yeah. I don't fucking know. Yeah. And the older I get, the farther I get from an answer. Yeah. And the older I get and the closer I get to death, yeah. and I'm just like, Jesus I Christ, know. I don't fucking know. Yeah. This is crazy. Yeah. But, like, I also, through the course of my life, and I get the impression you have, too, this, like, constant, like this constant horizon of death Mm -hmm. and this idea has like kind of fueled my life. Like I've been a much more motivated and disciplined person as a result. Absolutely. Are you afraid? Like if you really succeed in this like quest of yours to be chill and be comfortable and satisfied Mm -hmm. and understand that it's going to like pull some of your motivation or has it already? I I mean I think it's definitely pulled some of my money. I mean I definitely I mean you're definitely more driven when you're like fucking truly buying into the not just the like American model of consumerism and need, you got to get shit to make yourself happy to do that. But also this the idea the like survivalist of like I need to to you know to like protect myself from the reality of but the truth is, is that I'm going to die and all my shit's going to be given away. I mean, th- that's part of, like, the Buddhist mantra is the constant one, five daily reflections you're supposed to do. Um, uh, you're of the nature to grow old. Mm-hmm. Um, there's nothing you can do about it. You have the nature to get sick. Everyone is subject to that. Uh, you're of the nature to die. Um, and then basically... I'm forgetting some of them. Obviously, I'm a bad Buddhist. Um, well, you're a post Buddhist. I'm a post Buddhist. So you don't. I don't. I don't. But the other one is that basically everything that you have will be given away. So all the stuff you've acquired your entire life, once you die, it's going to be all re, going to go to different people. Maybe someone's going to be destroyed. Then the last one is uh, the only thing that you have are your actions. So it's the only thing technically that you keep. After death are the things that you did in this life, your actual actions, decisions made on a daily basis of how you're interacting and what you're doing. So it's motivating to change the way in which you – I just created this idea. It's called a very – I want to live a very deliberate life. Like everything I do, I want to be deliberate. I don't want to waste my time doing anything that I don't find meaningful because – Ultimately, if if this is true, that the only thing I take are my actions, I want the actions that I do leave to be meaningful rather than working for Citibank to, I don't know, fucking buy a house up in, I don't know, where's a good place up on Rhinebeck? the river? Yeah, Rhine, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> thank you. Exactly what I was looking for. Some, Yeah, exactly. In Rhinebeck to, you know, fucking, you know, what's the... What's like the, an old ski chalet. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and we're gonna fix it up. <laughs> okay, yeah. that, okay Benny. <laughs> I'm just paying. I'm just paying No, that's what I was thinking. I'm like, yeah. What's the thumb on the river up up there, Rhinebeck? But yeah, you know what I mean. Like, so in some respect, yeah, you might not be as motivated. Like when when I'm at work and they're asking me to like fucking do something I don't want to do, and I'm like, man, there's really no point to this. I'm just gonna die and. <laughs> I'm just going to kind of, yeah, I don't really need, and that's why I quit my last job, because I was like, yeah, it's not, you know, I'm over this. But you live a life in a more deliberate way. You're really only doing the things that you find meaningful. And not in a selfish way. I mean, like, in an altruistic, generous way. Like, you're, mm-hmm. you're being more generous with your 
time to the things that you find meaningful, and hopefully that would be other people, your family, you know, your friends, spending less of it trying to get the house up in Rhinebeck. The ski chalet. The ski chalet. Is there even skiing up there? No, but it's an old one <laughs> that you're going to, like, use the original beams okay. and some of the structure to give it that, I mean, we'll stay with it, post-colonial Post, feel. Okay, yeah. You know, but then, but you'll put, like, new kitchen with the foo-foo, crate and barrel <laughs> shit, and, like, yeah, like, so everything will be updated, okay? But you'll keep some of the original trim and stuff like that to give it that cool. old Rhinebeck ski chalet well, look. Well, you know, spending less time trying to acquire that and more time <laughs> trying to, like, just, you know, do, you know, have an adventure. Spend your time doing something useful. I, that's why I started rock climbing. Oh, wow. I'm super into rock climbing because... Someone asked me, like, why, why do you like it? Because life is so absurd. Life is actually absurd. I mean, the, the, the point of life is pretty, pretty uh, meaningless in some respect. In the grand scheme of the universe, your life is absolutely, I mean, for the most part, meaningless. Small. Small. Let's say, okay, we won't say meaningless, but it's very small. Um, possibly meaningless. Possibly meaningless. <laughs> Rock climbing is also fucking meaningless, fucking absurd. There is nothing that you gain for humanity or for most people by climbing up a rock. It's it's this very like sort of matching it, it, it helps me to balance out the absurdity of life by doing something that is kind of actually absurd and, and kind of puts you in a position where you're connected to the earth in a way that is like kind of absurd and it sort of en- encompasses what life is to me, which is an experience that is meant to be fully lived, experienced, and a battle between mental and physical sort of will, as well as knowing that no matter what, there is no ultimate goal other than getting to the top. No, 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 because no, it's not no. about getting to the top. It's just about about really, truly living in a space of connectedness to because when you're climbing you can't think about anything else Mm. i mean or you're gonna fall you're really connected to what is happening in a way um that is like nothing else i've ever really done because physically you're fucking freaking out because you're 100 feet off the ground i mean it's not an environment where your body is very chill so you Mm. really have to like mentally keep it together and physically keep it together it's kind of like a metaphor for my life Really, and once I sort of saw the parallel between the sort of absurdity of of life in some respect, I'm able to find this sport that is pretty much absurd. I mean, it's it's a life threatening sort of you know diff, dangerous sport that ultimately doesn't really get or gain anything. Not for someone like me, for for someone maybe doing it professionally. You know, there's means to an end. For me, it's just a something that. It's just an enjoyable thing to do to parallel, you know, if I can create music, you know, connect with people and then use the rest of my time to be outside and being a part of the world, I feel like that's a pretty, pretty useful life for me. All right. Yeah. The return of Buddy Nielsen. The return of Buddy. Thank you, Buddy, for coming by. Thank you, Mellow Buddy. 
Thanks, mellow buddy. Uh, <laughs> you are my mellow buddy, Brad. <laughs> uh, if you if you dug I'm not that always epi- mellow. If you dug that episode. Uh, you got a couple days left to catch Census Fail on the West Coast. Still searching anniversary. Catch them on April eighth at When We're Young Fest, uh, being headlined by Guttermouth, and. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, and uh yeah if you want to <laughs> support this podcast you can uh donate online you can tweet at us i think you can venmo us somehow yeah you can venmo us at, at uh going at off track at off track just make sure my name comes up make brad sure Whirl. brad's name comes up it's at off track but then it'll say do you want sure you want to pay brad brad world but i tr- but trust me brad some is- of the money will go to off track yeah <laughs> I asked to see the breakdown, and Brad keeps saying it's lost. <laughs> but I really trust Brad. I'm trying to get—I can't get my Excel spreadsheet to add it up correctly. And Brad is wearing a lot of bling right now. And I just want to say thank you to the people who have actually donated. We've gotten about, have we? We've gotten some Venmo donations. A few of my—I think I try to respond to people when they do it. I don't think I got everybody, but we really appreciate it. And you know, the beauty of Venmo is you can do any amount, man, from you know fifty cents on up. And it only takes a Venn moment. There you go. Um, <laughs> okay. All right. Thanks to Buddy. Sorry about that joke. Uh, if you can't afford to Venmo us, you can also just tweet at us. Leave us a good review on iTunes. If we ever get an advertiser, that would probably be helpful. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, just buy us drinks at shows if you see us. Woo-woo. All right. All right. We'll be back next week. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.